Welcome to the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. Here's your host, Jason A. Meiske. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Sample Chapter Podcast, episode 74, with our guest, Lucas Millarn. He's coming up in just a couple of minutes, so stay tuned. It is a fantastic episode and his reading is one for the books. You don't want to miss it. So stay tuned for that interview and chapter reading. Well, like I said, yes, this is the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. Hey, if you'd like to be a part of the show, email me at samplechapterpodcast at gmail.com and let me know uh, whether you yourself are an author and you're interested in coming on the show and telling us about uh, your new book. Or perhaps you have a friend, somebody who wrote a book, and now they don't know what to do. They don't know how to let people know about the book. Well, contact me. Let me know. One of the great things about podcasts is that uh, it's easy to get on. (laughs) It's a good way to let people know about who you are and what you have to offer. So contact me. I'll be happy to uh, get you on here. you've You've already done all the hard work writing a book. Come have a chat with me. Let's have some fun. Of course, you can also follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and of course the show is now over on YouTube as well, where you can check out the cover art for each of these books as you listen to the episodes. So make sure you're following us on each of these. And uh, don't forget to check out the backlist, because with over 70 authors reading incredible sample chapters, uh, you are sure to find at least one. You know what? I'm going to say you're going to find a few new favorites. And do me a favor. If you do, well, not even if, when you find some new favorites, make sure to share it with a friend and uh, let people know that, hey, I just I just heard about this author on this show. They read a sample chapter and it's an incredible book. And, you know, I agree because so far, like I said, with over 70 authors, we, we have yet to lay an egg, <laughs> so to speak. That's my own opinion anyway. Uh, you know, it's every one of them has been fantastic, and I have really, really enjoyed listening to all of these sample chapters. You're going to do the same. Go back and check them all out, and uh, yeah, share them with a friend. So this is the week of Independence Day here in America, Fourth uh, of July coming up in just a couple of a uh, couple of days. Uh, as you are hearing it, this is July second, but uh, yeah, Fourth of July in a couple of days. Uh, hopefully, you have big plans. I know I do. I'm going to be heading out. Uh, maybe even by the time you hear this, I'll already be out of town. My wife and I are getting away for her birthday, uh, which ironically is also on 4th of July. So she's my, her name is Holly and yeah, this is our little Holly day. I <laughs> know uh, I'm a little cheesy, but I love her and uh, I, cheesy is who I am. So anyway, yeah, so we're going to have a good time and uh, get away for a few days. Looking forward to it. Hopefully you have big plans. Hopefully you get to celebrate wherever you are and you do it safely. If you're shooting off fireworks, make sure that uh, you know you haven't had too much to drink. <laughs> you know, keep the, the end that explodes. Make sure that's going away from your face, okay? Uh, just, uh, just be safe. And uh, if anybody's got a crazy story from uh, Independence Week, then uh, make sure you send it on over here to Sample Chapter Podcast. Gmail.com. I want to hear about it. On the novel side... I've been working pretty hard on my newest one, a Novel Idea. That book is, i uh, gotten a few more chapters edited and trying to do more and more all the time. It, you know, the, what's really been great is I've been finding a real rhythm in editing in the evenings. If I'm not doing an interview or editing a show, I'm doing most of my editing in the evenings. And then in the morning, I'm taking the time to do fresh writing. And I've really been inspired to get back into my alien... Uh, 1980s adventure and uh, that one is uh, that one has really been calling to me lately maybe it's because I've been watching Stranger Things my wife and I we, we finally finished we binged the first two seasons which we you know, we're, we're late to the game we didn't get to see it until just recently but uh, maybe that's what's got me going on this again because oh my gosh that was such an incredible series and it really really stirred the pot in my head and uh, got me thinking about all the ideas I had for this story. Because, like I said, it's going to take place in the 80s. It's an alien adventure. And um, 
Yeah, I, I can't wait to share more about it with you uh, whenever that gets done. But I, So I've been doing that in the mornings and having a good time, make, making a lot of progress with that as well. And uh, we'll see what happens. Maybe I can have my first draft done by the time my, or by the time my other book, Novel Idea, comes out. Hopefully in August. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, I will, uh, I'll make sure to keep you updated as I get going. So before we get over to our amazing guest this week, let me first say thank you to our sponsors, you store all out of Warrensburg, Missouri. You know, if you are in the need for self-storage, you store all has everything that you need. They offer climate control and non-climate control, incredibly various sizes, as small as a four by five, all the way up to 12 by 30. Uh, their climate control is a true climate control with heating, cooling, and dehumidification. So that keeps that humidity away from your goods as they're being stored there. Fenced-in facilities, 24-hour video surveillance on almost 70 cameras, and your own private gate code to come in 24 hours a day. Hey, make sure you check them out online at ustoreall.net. That is the letter U-S-T-O-R-A-L-L dot net. I also want to give a very big and special thanks to Scrivener Writing Software. They've been a sponsor for the show now for, oh man, about three months, and I'm absolutely loving it. Uh, I know a few people who have been using the special code to go out and, and purchase their desktop version, which I highly recommend. I, I, have the, I have both the desktop version and I also have the app for my phone. And let me tell you, that is how I'm getting a lot of progress made on my stories now. Because like I said, I will write in the morning on my laptop get the fresh ideas down on my story. It, it all gets backed up on a cloud service that I have. During the day, if I have more inspiration that hits me, I pull it up on my phone, picks right up where I left off. And then in the evenings, I can pull up either right where I left off again, or I can pull up my other story, which is what I've been doing. I pull up my other story in the evenings and start editing. And let me tell you, if you've never edited using Scrivener, you are missing out Using Scrivener, it's the chapters are broken up off to the side. You just select the one you want, move them around. Oh my gosh, it makes it so incredible. It is writing software made for writers by writers. Listen up for their ad and don't forget to use that special code CHAPTER to save 20% off your desktop version. And of course, I want to make sure and say thank you, thank you, thank you to my friends over at popgoesaculture.com. They share all of our episodes. I get to contribute some, some things over there now. And, uh, you know, those guys are just incredible. If you have any kind of interest in pop culture, whatever, <laughs> whether it's old you know, retro gaming, movies, uh, if you like hearing about current events in, uh, in entertainment, get on over to popgoesaculture.com for any kind of pop culture news, not to mention a slew of amazing podcasts, popgoesaculture.com. Check it out or just follow the link in the show notes. So our guest this week, you know, he goes by many names. He's the bearded optician. He's a dark fantasist, a musician, an author, an actor. You know, some people might even call him the lumberjack of Florida. Check out his profile pic. You'll see what we're talking about. <laughs> Yes, we're talking about the one and only Lucas Millarn. Oh man, I've I've known about Lucas for oh man about a year and a half now. Uh, honestly, I haven't checked out his work. He's just he's one of those names like I hear his name all the time, and one of those guys I always wanted to look into. And he's he's been on my list of people I wanted to interview for the show. And as fate would have it, you know, we all of a sudden we just connected online one day, and all of a sudden we're talking and. Hey, he, now he's on the show, and I couldn't be more happy. Yeah, we, we have an incredible chat about horror and what the horror genre is, about uh, giving yourself permission to write. A really special thing that he's got is he's got his very first book signing coming up at the Scares That Care event in uh, Williamsburg, Virginia, coming up uh, later on, uh, late July, early August. I think it's the first weekend of August. That's what it is. So at that event, he has his, his next book, which you're going to hear from today, Prismatic Words. So the book is available now. I mean, let me just make sure I back this up a little bit and tell you the right way. The book is available now, so you can go get yourself a copy. However, if you want a one-of-a-kind color edition of this exclusive paperback, you need to get over to Williamsburg, Virginia, first weekend of August for the Scares That Care event 
and you can pick up your own copy of this book, The Prismatic Words. There's a color photo of the book cover. If you are checking us out on YouTube or if you come to the website to, uh, to upload this show, you know, if you're listening on iTunes or Google Play or wherever it is you're listening, get over to these other places and check out the book cover. Of course, you can also go to Amazon. <laughs> that would be a good place. I'm sure Lucas would probably prefer you go to Amazon <laughs> and check this out too. You know, but any of these, you got to see what this book cover looks like. And then you get an idea then of what, what you are in store inside because they'll have more color photos throughout. And it's, it's an incredible theme. It's so awesome. And you've got to get your hands on one of these books. Like I said, they're going to be, a, it's a special edition. They're going to be one of a kind. And once they're gone, they're gone. There'll be nothing left but the black and white editions that you order online. So check it out. Hey, you know what? I'm talking enough about it. I'm going to get us on over to our interview with Lucas Millarn right after a word from our sponsor. Jason here. Hey, I wanted to take a moment and tell you about my favorite writing tool, Scrivener. Now, I know you've heard about Scrivener because their writing software has been embraced by hundreds of thousands of other writers like you and I, from the novice to best-selling novelists. The reason we all use it is because of Scrivener's core concept to bring all the writing tools you use together in a single application. And with tools like automatic backup, character maps, project goals, and let's not forget that amazing corkboard, you can see why I use Scrivener every day. As a bonus for Sample Chapter Podcast listeners, use code CHAPTER for 20% off your desktop version. Scrivener Writing Software, built by writers for writers. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Sample Chapter Podcast. Jason here, and oh my gosh, today I've got quite the unique guest. I am really excited about this. It's a guy I've been hearing about for the last couple of years, thanks to some mutual friends, Armand and Chuck. I'm talking about a guy who, he's got some uh, horror, some dark fantasy that it gets inside your head and gives life to unnatural thoughts. It is dark fantasist author, Lucas Milliron. Lucas, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. <laughs> it's my pleasure. I'm so happy to have you here. Like I said, I've been hearing your name off and on for quite a while. I've had you on a list of people I wanted to reach out to, and I, I was like elated when when you messaged me before I could uh, message you. No, it was definitely really cool. I heard you on Armcast podcast, and then and on the Mondo method they mentioned it, so I had to check you out. And you've had a lot of really awesome writers on there. I literally just finished listening to the Bob Ford episode, and that man can read. Oh my gosh. Yes, he was incredible. That was that was a lot of fun. And you know, and there again with Bob, I mean, that was another one of those where it's this writer community that for me I can only say for myself, the people I've met and how that person knows this person and it grows and grows and grows and and now I'm I'm you know, I'm getting to talk with you and my gosh, we've been talking for the last 35 minutes and having just now starting the show. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's half the fun of this. I mean, exactly. half of it's you talk shop, you talk books, you talk writers. It's great. It's awesome. Yes. I, I tell you what, one of these days when I can make it to Scares of Care, it's going to be quite the weekend getting to catch up and meet a lot of, a lot of everybody in person. Oh, yeah. Last year was my first year there, and I slept probably five hours from... When I got there Thursday until I left and got back on Tuesday, because I drove all the way up there from uh, South Florida, 13-hour drive, and yeah, it was <laughs> nonstop. I mean, it was almost overwhelming, just the amount of people you talk to, the stuff you learn. I mean, plus everybody who works at Scares That Care from the hotel staff all the way down to the volunteers everybody wants to be there everybody there is happy and excited for this positive thing that they're you know the charity that they're going for it's amazing it really is it really is well uh, you know we're going to come back to that here in just a moment go ahead and tell the audience a little bit about yourself well i am a licensed optician in the state of florida uh basically that means i make sell eyeglasses and contact lenses on the side i am a Basically a dark fantasist, which I kind of stole that word from my Mr. John Urban's sake. I want to give him a shout out. 
I do write horror and a lot of my stuff can be on the extreme side, but I also dabble with other things like urban fantasy and some surrealism. And in the next year or two, I'm probably going to dabble a little bit more in bizarro fiction. So I'm not strictly horror, but horror is definitely in the DNA. <laughs> Very nice. Now, have you always had that urge to write anything like this wild, mm -hmm. like what, like what your stories are? Oh, yeah. Um, essentially, it started in eighth grade. Uh, I basically hate my favorite teacher. <laughs> she, I remember her name, Mrs. Parks. She was my English teacher, lost a lot of my reports, uh, misfiled things, made me write papers over again, and would later find them after telling me that I didn't turn them in. So the exit not really an exam, but the exit assignment was to write a short story. And I wrote this eight page. I mean, it was basically just I ripped off the book, the movie Pumpkinhead. Okay. And yeah. and I didn't use Mrs. Park's name per se. I just used her likeness. And oh, my God, I did gruesome, horrible things that if any teacher read that nowadays would have probably had me Baker acted. <laughs> But she had the good foresight to sit down, read it, and critique it. And then big red fat magic marker on the top was an A+, which read, keep writing. Oh, nice. And so she basically burdened me with this, <laughs> with this, you know, the drive of doing nothing but writing, telling gross, crazy stories. <laughs> I mean, a lot. Oh, yeah. And a lot of it in the beginning was just for the sheer purpose of shocking and grossing people out. I mean, there is nothing more fulfilling than watching someone reading your book and getting the reaction that you want out of them. <laughs> That's some people in the chair. Oh, yeah. Kind of. I mean, most around. people. Yeah. Most people, you write a comedy. You want them to laugh. You write something dramatic. You want them to cry. Well, I want you to throw up. <laughs> And if you lose your lunch, I did my job. <laughs> it's got to be just as good to see them, like, put the book down and then a minute later pick it back up. Like, okay, well, what, was, what was next? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not the grossest author out there. I am not Edward Lee. I mean, by any stretch of the imagination. I've written stuff in homage to Edward Lee, which I'm hoping to shop around right now. But I did... A a for fun a competition with another writer friend of mine tommy clark we did a gross out uh short story competition 600 word max and literally after i wrote that short story i went back and i'm like i need to take a shower <laughs> but, oh my gosh but as i've gotten more into the writing craft i've backed away from a lot of the vile grotesque and i've gotten more into the nuance of it because mm -hmm. Like I was telling you before, horror isn't just horror. Horror isn't just gore and blood and guts. It's more subtle. It's, you know, you raise the stakes, whether it's someone on a cooking show, you know, and they have to finish toasting their bun in the last 30 seconds. That can be seen horrific as something goes awry the wrong way. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, someone's mother has cancer and you have to save her life before anything terrible happens. So there's all these little things that can make something horrific without the blood and the guts and that's where i'm hoping to take a little bit of my writing in the future but yeah well i mean i think when you've got the story bringing someone in the blood and guts becomes the payoff oh yeah so yeah, it's when, like yeah when you're when you're crafting it together in that way i think yeah it, it really it's like oh, oh gosh yes that scene <laughs> oh oh yeah it's like the difference between rock and roll and heavy metal you know, it's one just takes it to that extra level. That's a, a good way to put it. I never thought of it like that before. Oh, yeah. I mean, what's the difference between the Rolling Stones and Black Sabbath? Well, Black Sabbath is drop tuned. <laughs> well, and before the show, I like what you said, too. I even wrote it down here that horror is a thriller that doesn't hold back. Exactly. I mean, because a lot of books get tagged thriller that don't necessarily feel like thriller. I mean, it's all marketing because a lot of people feel like the word horror is a dirty word. Although in the last two years, I have thankfully seen horror come out of the, you know, come out of the basement, so to speak. 
and it's becoming a little bit more mainstream, but people are, are still afraid of that. I mean, a lot of the 80s slashers, a lot of that stuff, and a lot of literary stuff don't seem to identify horror as something that's valuable. But horror is so much more than that. You have some of the, you know, what is it? Uh, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein is a literary masterpiece written by a female horror writer. Hmm. And it's required reading, you know? Yeah, yeah. Horror is so much more than just thriller. Horror is that next level. Oh, man. I, I never expected, you know, coming into this, uh, how deep we would go. And I'm just <laughs> loving all of this. <laughs> this is a wonderful conversation. So, oh, yeah. Well, all right. So now I know with your job, you're very, mm-hmm. very busy. You're traveling all over the place, all over the state of Florida yeah. with your job. Where are you fitting in time for your writing? A uh, time where I should probably be sleeping. <laughs> I mean, it's been breakneck pace it's i'll sit down and i'll try to write for 15 minutes you know i do take a little bit of that from the mondo method mr amand rosamilla I, yeah, um, like that. yeah. <laughs> I mean you may have heard of him he has the t- he has that show something about a leg cast oh no it's arm cast um but no he's uh he definitely taught a lot with the mondo method and i've done that a couple times and it certainly helps yeah. although when i get in the rhythm I can sit down at the computer for two hours and just type. And by the time I'm done, I'm like realizing, wait, it's what time? Oh crap. I have to get my pants on and go to work. <laughs> so you're, so you wait until you're home at the end of the evening and then you start doing your writing. Well, I, I am not a morning person, but because of the job that I have and because the hours and the traveling, I have become a morning person by necessity. Hmm. So I find that somewhere between that first and second cup of coffee, where you're still in that lucid, I remember my dream, but you can't ask me anything about it because I can't tell you, mm-hmm. stage. And that's when I get most of my most effective writing done. I do a lot more effective editing at nighttime because that's when the brain's getting ready to shut down and I'm exhausted from trying to explain people how to put contact lenses in. <laughs> but it's... Interesting. I mean, I usually find it better to edit at night and write in the morning or write whenever I have time. I completely agree. I was, I was just about to say that's the same thing I am. It's, I can sit down in the morning and I'll have about 45 minutes. I can write and put out a couple pages, have a good time with it, but I can't edit. Mm-hmm. I will sit here and be trying to think of how to fix something, but I just, I can't put it together. I can, force myself but i won't get near the work i will get editing as i do later in the day or even in the evening yeah well to put it in the words of stephen king on uh stephen's king's book on writing is that the editing process is you taking out stuff that doesn't need to be there and that is the mentality that i've been taking with all of my edits and it's definitely helped and the hardest thing is killing your darlings my thing is i am also a pantser sort of I usually pants, but I'll write a book Bible where I'll write the character descriptions, their way of talking, you know, their height, eye color, hair color, what T-shirt they had, if they use weapons, what are they proficient in? And I'll use that as the guideline, and then I'll physically flesh out the book and just write. So that definitely helps when you're not an outliner that you can sit down and like, oh, hey, I have 15 minutes between patients. Let me type something for five minutes, save it, and then get ready for the next person coming in. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's that's great. Do you do any of that on your phone, or do you bring your laptop with you? Several different ways. If the phone is about to die, I always have a salt and pepper notebook with me. I always have a tiny little notebook and pens. I've got... Um, I have my cell phone. I have a little tablet. I can't take the laptop with me everywhere, but like when I'm traveling, I live in West Palm Beach in Florida, which is South Florida. And last week I was in Jacksonville. So there was a lot of bringing my laptop with me, which was immensely helpful. But the tablet's kind of the go-to if I'm, you know, on a lunch break or something. Nice. Well, and we were talking before how you just got published and like two years ago. Your first book came out. And you did yes. a few more books uh, last year. Uh, mm-hmm. You're really starting to come on, and, and clearly you're putting in the work. And I know, I know, um, 
already in advance too that you've got several getting ready to come out this year so i mean you are really working on that uh, prolific side of it yep so <laughs> the best yeah no the best way i can describe the feeling was that the chattering wasn't the first book that i'd ever written but it was the first book that I ever published. And for the most part, I am a self-published writer with the intention of becoming a hybrid. And basically, The Chattering, it's the book that gave me permission to write books. It was the one that gave me permission to say, you are a writer. You have produced stuff that you're comfortable sharing with people. And it's okay. You know, it's terrifying. You're putting this out. People are going to have opinions, good and bad. You're not everybody's friend. You know that. But it's still the confidence boost that you needed. Mm-hmm. And then all the words after just kind of fell out of me. I mean, after that, there was the Becoming series, which I've got two books of that out right now, Becoming One and Becoming Two, Rage. I'm working on the third book currently, Uh I've got one book with Stitch Smile Press uh, in the latter editing stages called Away From Home that I should be putting out soon. I've got my short story collection, Prismatic Words, coming out. There's a couple books that I can't talk about too much yet and a slew of anthologies this year. I am in Middletown Horror or Middletown Apocalypse, which is a zombie fiction anthology. Uh, and then I was just accepted to Death's Head Press, their Dig Two Graves anthology. I am in volume two, and I will also be in the Death's Head Press anthology called Rope Burns, which is a more extreme, uh, basically BDSM horror-themed anthology, which is just delightful. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Plus, you've got your your very first book signing coming up. Yes, that I am stoked about. Uh, like I said, last year was my first year at Scares That Care, and it was overwhelmingly amazing. Like, it was just too much. And this year I have a table, and I'm sharing it with an awesome guest. I'll let that be a surprise at the convention. <laughs> but I am doing my first book signing and my first reading Friday night at 9.15 at Scares That Care. So it's going to be quite, quite amazing. <laughs> and for the listening audience, where will that be and, and when is it? So Scares That Care is a charity convention that happens up in Williamsburg, Virginia. It is the last week of, Jul- uh, last week of July, first week of August. So I want to say August 1st, 2nd, and 3rd, I believe. Awesome. All right, yeah, and that's that's going to be a lot of fun. And oh my gosh, I'm so excited for you too. Your mm-hmm. your first book signing. That's hopefully you you sell out. Hopefully it's a lot of fun. <laughs> I mean, I would love to sell out, but I think my goal there is the experience. I mean, I am I'm a salesperson as my day job. So when it comes to the book writing, I am still a salesperson. But I'm selling something a little different. I'm not selling eyeglasses. And although I'm very passionate about eyeglasses because I'm basically helping people see, I'm showing people what the world really looks like. With books, I'm not showing them the world. I'm showing them me. I'm showing them pieces of myself. Mm -hmm. And I'm more than just selling books. I'm selling myself. And I'm showing people this is who I am. This is how I think. You can enjoy the way that I think. Or you can simply say, hey, you're a great person, but your book may not be for me. But at least you get that connection, that human experience that is very writing. You don't get that very often. I mean, I was a musician and the biggest show I ever played was for about 800 people uh, when I was in a band that opened up for Mushroom Head at one point. Oh. And you get that immediate you know, feedback from the audience, from the crowd. With book writing, you don't always get that. So my goal at Scares That Care is just getting that human connection that people say and feel, hey, this is an awesome guy. This is an awesome book. You know, I'm going to check this stuff out down the road. Yeah. If I sell out, it's amazing. If not, I'm still walking away with one of the best experiences ever. Yeah. No, I, I couldn't agree more. And, and I mean, it's just like you said, it's going to be a great experience just meeting people, meeting potential new fans and people who maybe they don't buy your book there but they'll remember you and hopefully they come back later and yeah i'm gonna check this out exactly 
And you'll be uh, premiering, man, by then you'll have uh, maybe two books, two new ones. I'm hoping for two, but the editing stages for Away From Home is a little, little bit complicated because of how much personality is in it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that book is, uh, it's definitely cathartic. It is very therapeutic writing books. Uh, um, I can't remember who said it, but someone said every four hours of writing a book is four months of therapy. <laughs> and Away From Home is definitely without exception. And that book was a little bit very more personal to write because there is a lot of talk about PTSD in that story. So I'm hoping it'll be out by Scares That Care. If not, it's fine. I still have a short story collection that will basically premiere at Scares That Care. There's going to be an exclusive copy of Prismatic Words there that is all color. I'm only making 60 copies of that particular uh, short story collection in color. After Scares That Care, the book will only be available in black and white editions. Nice. And this will be coming out uh, July 1st? Yes. Uh, the release date for that is going to be paperback only July 1st. I know some of the ebook audience is going to be a little disappointed, but there's something about this book when you touch it and you hold it as a paperback. It's a little bit more personal. I mean, an ebook holds thousands of different ideas. Thousands of different people's thoughts and mindsets. When you hold a paperback, you're holding one person's idea, unless it's, you know, obviously authored by multiple people. But it's a limited number of thoughts and opinions that went into that collection. And the way that I've designed the book is it needs to be in paperback first. There will be an ebook edition available down the road, but the paperback is going to be first. So that's why there's no um, early release day or pre-ordering for that. Mm-hmm. It's just July 1st. So, and when, and this episode should be dropping July 2nd. So everybody listening, the book is available now. So yep. you already, as you just heard, there's going to be a limited edition, a limited number of copies in the, of this colored copy version, 60 of them. And then once that's done, it's black and white only. So, Pretty jump much. Jump on it. Jump on it. Who knows? It could be sold out by now. Yep. Well, I know as far as July. Oh, yeah. I mean, all I'm basically bringing those copies to Scares That Care. So if you want that colored copy, you got to come see my pretty smiling bearded face. <laughs> <laughs> so awesome. it's definitely going to be the color version is more or less exclusive for the Scares That Care event, just because I care about that convention so damn much. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. Uh, so Prismatic Words is the book we're going to be hearing from today. Tell us a little bit about this. So Prismatic Words is the culmination of some of my favorite short stories that I've written. I've actually written a lot more short stories than I put in the book, but the design of the book is based on Roy G. Biv, which is the color spectrum. Now, everybody lives in a spectrum. Everybody is their own unique individual. But you need all of those different colors to come together to fulfill a unique experience. So every section is based on the different color wheels. You have red, orange, yellow, green, blue, uh, violet. And each one has a different story associated with it. Two stories that reflect the emotions that you feel with those colors. And you'll notice the cover on it is this big old eyeball. And it's because the eye is seen as the window to the soul. So I am showing you essentially my personal soul is the best way to describe it. I mean, there are stories that are a little bit more quiet. There are some extreme stories in it. I've got some stuff that are actually tied into different works. Um, there's one sheep's clothing, which is tied into the Becoming series. So is the story in there called Withdrawn. You've got uh, Force of Nature and another story called The Initiated, which are tied into the Away From Home series. And the short story, Dead Heart, is the, basically the bare bones, what will soon someday become the novel version of the Dead Heart. So all of these will tie into different books that are coming out down the road. And yeah, they're just, they bite. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And I, I love it when an author puts a book together like this that 
it ties in with other books so that, that way it draws you know the readers into other worlds that, that you've created so this is this is exciting I, I can't wait to check it out for myself oh yeah i mean everybody right now is building their own universe building their own mythos i mean i don't want to say i'm any different but i will definitely say that the stuff that i'm writing is it's unique to what i feel the stories need i mean it's kind of hard to explain because it's my own work and talking about your own work is kind of like telling the world why your child is better than everybody else. <laughs> they're probably not better than everybody else, but to you, they're special, damn it. <laughs> Absolutely. Tell the audience, where can we find you online? Where can we follow you? So I am on the Twitter. You can find me there at um, Bearded Optician, just at Bearded Optician. You can find me on Instagram as Milliron Lucas, M-I-L-L-I-R-O-N, Lucas, L-U-C-A-S. And I am also on Facebook. You can look me up there. I do have the website, lucasmilliron.com. I'm sorry, it is still in a revamping stage. There's a lot of content that I haven't had time to put in because of the work schedule. Mm. It's a little lacking, and there's a lot of stuff that says soon to come, soon to come. So I'm hoping by the time I get to Scares That Care in August, the website will be fully updated. Okay, awesome. All right. Lucas, this has been awesome. I Like I said, I've been hearing your name for a while. I've got a list of authors I've wanted to reach out to, so that you, that you reached out to me first just was like very, very special, and I, I'm so happy we got a chance to talk, and I can't wait to meet with you one of these days, man. I mean... Definitely. Uh, this has been really great, and uh, man, I wish you the best of luck. I can't wait to hear everybody's reports on scares that cares and uh see how things went oh yeah now next time you go to scares that care in 2020 we'll buy each other a beer how about that i love it i love it ladies and gentlemen it's time for me to step aside and hand the floor over to the one and only lucas milliron with prismatic words so the story that i'm reading from prismatic words is the opening story it is called force of nature we all saw it on the local news. Sinkholes were forming all over town of Leesburg. Didn't think nothing of it. Florida's full of them. It's what happens when your land is built on limestone and underground wells erode the stuff from beneath your feet. I'd heard the chanting a few times. I mean, it was weird and all, but I didn't think anything of it. It was happening all over town. The other guys back at the fire station didn't talk about it, so I never brought it up. Not until I saw the graffiti. I came into the station one day just in time to see this kid dressed in a cloak. I'm in a real-life elf-looking thing from a fantasy video game. I caught him in the middle of spraying shit across the side of the station when no one else was looking. It was weird. Not like any gang signs. Not that I've ever seen. This part of Florida is far too rural for gang activity. I mean, biker gangs, maybe, and the odd meth lab here and there. But nothing like what you see in New York, California, or even Miami. I looked at what the kid was doing. It was weird writing, like a foreign language scribbled by someone who just learned to write it. The lines were shaky and unsteady and looped around a spiraling circle. It looked all one color, this dark red, almost like, like blood. He didn't finish. He was in the middle of painting a series of four loops around an inverted cross when I guess he saw me and bolted before finishing. He was too fast to chase, so I went inside. Do you guys see that kid out there? I asked and stepped inside the station. Kid, Sarah asked. What are you talking about? Marcus asked, stepping in from the kitchen. Some kid outside, I continued, tagging the station with weird graffiti. We didn't hear a thing, Sarah said, getting up to go see for herself. Marcus followed. Shit's getting weird around here, Marcus said, touching the paint with his fingertips. Still wet. You must have caught him in the act. Scared him away. That's exactly what happened, I replied. He's been busy, Sarah said, pointing at the wall at the end of the alley. It was the back of the town's grocery store. The whole back of the building was littered with some strange symbols. It was covered from roof to pavement, almost every inch of exposed masonry tatted up like some old biker's arm. Sarah put her arm around my shoulders. My heart sank. When Marcus spoke, she took her hand off my shoulder, breaking whatever spell her touch had over me. What the hell is going on? Marcus asked. You guys hear any of that noise last night? What noise? 
Yeah, last few nights, I added. On my way home from the station. It sounds like chanting, but the voices are just so, so weird. Sounds like animals, not even people. I don't know what you guys are talking about, she said, shrugging us off and heading back into the station. What crawled up her ass? Marcus asked. I have no idea, I lied. It was the three of us all night at the station, aside from the odd fire every few months. There wasn't a lot for our department to do. Marcus was asleep upstairs, while Sarah and I worked the trucks, going over our nightly maintenance routines. You have to tell your wife at some point, Sarah said abruptly. Tell her what? I asked. About this, Sarah said, sliding her hand over mine while I rubbed down the dashboard. Not now. I pulled my arm away. Well, fuck you then, Sarah said, throwing her clipboard at me. Sarah, I rolled my eyes and hopped out of the truck. No, she exclaimed. I don't want to talk about it anymore. There's nothing to talk about, I said. What happened happened. I'm not proud of it, but I can't change it either. So you'd rather bury it? She asked, putting her hands on her hips as she turned around to look at me. Pretend it didn't happen? You know what I mean, I explained. Look, I can't change it. We had sex. I married. We promised each other. It wouldn't become a big deal. No, Sarah pointed at me. You promised. I said I didn't know what to do about it. I spend more time with you than my own family. I've saved your life. You've saved mine. How do we come back from this? We didn't notice the sinkhole swallowing the earth behind the station. It wasn't big, maybe the size of a manhole cover. I was about to speak, but the alarm sounded. Fire. Marcus shot down the fire pole, and Sarah and I ran towards the lockers. The conversation was far from done, but work always came first. Fire is the ultimate force of nature. It's the universal bane of any matter. It melts rock and steel and consumes all life in its path. After all, fire has a mind of its own. It breeds faster than any plague and leaves all in its wake devastation. It's funny how we think we've mastered it, that we've domesticated fire. If that were true, I'd be out of a job. There's one thing you can't train for, one thing you can't replicate in practice drills and the shows we put on for the public. It's that small part of your subconscious, the animal part, that knows better than to run head-on into a fire. Your body fights you, wills you to run away as soon as you're hit by that first wave of scorching heat. Even beneath all the layers in our uniform, it's still hotter than hell. We don't do it because we want to be heroes, to prove how brave we are, or to get all those discounts at diners and sports bars. We do it because it's the right thing to do. We do it because no one else can ignore that instinct to run. Because if no one else goes into the fire, people will die. The house was already up in smoke by the time we got there. I could still hear the screaming when we arrived. I'd barely gotten on my safety gear by the time I was through the front door. The rest of my team was right behind me. Sarah manned the fire hose and tapped me on the shoulder just as I'd gone inside. I turned around and saw the nozzle and quickly got out of the way. I picked up the hose's slack and followed behind her. Marcus came in behind me, carrying the pike pole. It's amazing how dark it is inside a house fire. There's so much smoke, so much ash, you can't see three feet in front of you. And the noise, the deafening sound of fire is all around you, along with the heat. I was running on adrenaline in a 15-minute power nap. The world was moving in slow motion. The fire was coming from upstairs. Sarah brought the hose towards the stairs, aimed it at the bright white and orange glow, and turned the water on. Inch by inch, we extinguished the flames. We could hear someone still trapped up there. A minute or two, and the hallway fire would have been put out. But with lives on the line, minutes might as well have been hours. I tapped her on the shoulder and shouted that I was going in. Sarah nodded, narrowing the stream to focus her efforts on the door closest to us. We had no idea what room the people were in, so we had to clear it one by one. I ran up the steps. You can never run fast enough, not with the weight of your gear. It slows you down and feels like you're running in a swimming pool or a dream. No matter how fast you feel your legs are going, it's never fast enough. Flames were everywhere. I made it through the door, crawling on my knees. The fire covered everything, from the bed to the dresser to the curtains and toys. It filled the room with a toxic black smoke that clung to everything like oil. Most importantly, the room was empty. I crawled out and went to the next room. 
It was the master bedroom by the size of it. I could see a door on the other side of the room, closed, while the rest of the room burned. I could hear them shouting on the other side of the door. We're here, I shouted through the chaos. Step away from the door. Help us. I couldn't tell if it was a woman or a child, but they were desperate. Lay down on the ground, I ordered. I reached for the handle, and the door swung inwards. There wasn't a bathroom on the other side. There wasn't anything at all. Just a black void. I wasn't dreaming. I could still feel the fire behind me, but the blackness swallowed all sounds from the world around me. All I could hear was my own breathing inside my mask. Then the fire went out. I could feel the heat dissipating as I got to my feet. I didn't look behind me. I couldn't take my eyes off the void. It was moving, like oil across water. I felt that part of my mind telling me to run, telling me to turn around and escape. But I'm a firefighter, and I ignored it. I reached out my hand. The air inside the darkness was cold. I could feel the chill, even through my glove. I pulled my hand out. It looked fine. It's time, Sarah said from behind me. I turned around. Sarah stood in the scorched remains of the room, naked. She was just as I'd remembered. From the burn scars on her inner thighs, she'd nervously hidden with sheets when we laid together, to her soft breast and perky nipples. Then she pushed me into the door. It's dark. It's so dark. I should be thinking of my wife, of my family. But all I can do is think about Sarah and the look she'd given me. She was happy, almost laughing. It's cold here. Even in my suit and my gear, I'm shivering. There's a light up ahead. It's far away, but I can feel the warmth. It's a fire. I can see it spreading. From here, it looks like ants. Fire ants swarming the blackness, climbing one another in tall, smoldering peaks. I'm walking downtown. I can see the silhouettes of cars and buildings. I can see the used tire shop and the sports supply store. The fire is still in the distance. It's the fire station. The building is on fire. I can smell the smoke. I can still feel the heat rising. Something is moving in the shadows. I can't make it out. The sounds they're making have the hairs on my neck standing on end. It's screaming. It's growling. How can anything make a sound like that? I keep walking towards the fire station because fire is a force of nature and the monsters are afraid. My oxygen tank is running low. I take off my mask. I can really feel the fire now. Feel it evaporating the sweat on my face. I should be running. Should have turned around and gone the other way. Firefighters don't run from fire. The building is on fire. And the front door is open. I go in. Inside isn't a blaze. It isn't even hot. The flames won't come inside. I can't say how I know that, but I do. There's blood on the floor. A lot of blood. It's leading me upstairs. I have no choice. I have to follow it. I go upstairs and down the hall into the dorm rooms. Oh my God, Marcus, he's been butchered. What happened to his eyes? Oh God, I can't look, but I can't look away. Calm down, just calm down. He's naked and hanging from the ceiling above his bed. His back has been sliced open and his ribs have been pulled out. There's wire attached to each of the ribs and he's hanging by the bones. His eyes have been clawed out. There's so much blood. Blood everywhere. Wait, he's not dead. He's breathing. He can hear me. Marcus, I touch his shoulder. Rich, his voice is hoarse. He's been screaming. Let me die. Please, let me die. We'll get you out of here. I want to cut him down, but everything I touch is sheer agony. Then I smell it. Gas. I look at the room. There's a gas can on the floor beside the bed and a trail leading out of the room. I look at the door, and Sarah is standing in the threshold with a lighter. She drops it and lights the trail. I jump out of the way as the can lights into a ball of fire and engulfs the bed. Marcus is hanging there above the flames. His skin doesn't catch, but the heat is blistering his flesh. I can smell him burning alive, roasting like a fucking pig. Marcus, I shout as I try to get back to my feet. Sarah has me from behind, and I can feel a knife against my throat. I swallow hard and feel the razor edge graze across my Adam's apple. Shush, she whispers in my ear. 
Don't cry for him. He's weaker than us. He's suffered long and hard for his sins. It's the same sins you carry and the sins all those of flesh and blood share. You've tasted me, my body and my soul. Now the time has come for sacrifice. She spins me around. I can feel the fire at my back. I should be thinking of my wife, of my family. I should be thinking about what's happened to them. But all I can do is think about Sarah. She's smiling. Marcus is screaming and his voice is failing. Why? I can't think of anything else to ask. Why are you doing this? The sins of this world must be cleansed with blood, Richard. We must tear this world down and birth the new one from the ashes of the dead. Growing pains, change, a new world born of fire and free of original sin. You can't fight this. The darkness has already come. We, the initiated, must sacrifice that which we love most. I've come to take the pain away, Rich. Marcus has stopped screaming. I can hear his flesh crackling and sizzling. I can't look at him. Stara steps towards me. I can see her knife better. It's a long dagger with a wavy edge. The handle and hilt are made of antler and bone. The fire is blazing behind me. I step back and let it consume me. Firefighters never run from fire. Sarah's screaming. She has to finish the ritual, has to make her sacrifice. The flames ignite around me. Hell doesn't carry secrets to a firefighter. We reach out and touch it every time we run into the burning building. I know this pain. I know what it's doing, what the fire is thinking. The fire is hungry, and I've stepped inside its blazing mall to feed it. Sarah reaches for me, but it's too late. The flames have me. I want to shout and scream. It hurts so much. I can smell my flesh cooking. The darkness is closing in. It's coming for me. It can't have me. I run towards Sarah, my body burning like a torch. I grab her and embrace her. It's what she wanted. The darkness envelops the room. It swallows everything but the flames, because fire is a force of nature. It's wrath, it's passion, it's everything. Sarah is screaming as the flames feed upon her nakedness. She was right. She did love me. I can feel her blisters growing and her body succumbed to the fire. I should be thinking of my wife, but all I can do is think about Sarah. Maybe I loved her too. That was Lucas Millarn reading an incredible short story from his latest book, Prismatic Words. Like I said, the book is available now, but you want to make sure you get over to Williamsburg, Virginia and get your own special, exclusive color edition of this book, first week of August. Follow the link in the show notes for information about that and more information about where you can follow Lucas. Don't forget to also click on the links for our sponsors and friends of the show. And especially don't forget to hit that subscribe button so that that way next week you don't miss out when we come back with another author, another book, and another sample chapter. Thank you, everybody. Have a safe 4th of July. See you again real soon.